1: Welcome, friends, to yet another episode of FCS Speculators, a betting podcast. Happy to be with you, Ryan Tuttle and Colton Nuwanez, our dear friend David Graff as well, going to be joining us momentarily. Crazy week in the uh, world of FCS football last week. Let's go through what happened in the top 10, both in terms of uh, results and ATS, because that's what we do around here, people, against the spread. North Dakota State held on for a wild win in Brookings, south dakota uh beating south dakota state 23 16 south dakota state of course the number three team in the nation uh north dakota state also covered the five point spread a fourth down uh and one with just over two minutes to go in a tie football game and The Jackrabbits load the box. I mean, honestly, all 11 defenders were within three yards of the line of scrimmage, and uh, a hole was created over on the right side, and the running back, what, 65, 70 yards, something like that, 61 yards? Seventy-one yards, seventy-one yards uh, to the house because there's just nobody on the back end. Uh, they tried to, you know, make a huge stop on the fourth down, and obviously that was the ball game. But it also leads to a bison cover, uh, and uh, South Dakota State falls uh, to uh, uh, to NDSU, and they are now three and four against the spread. They are six and two overall. They also lose one spot in the poll, which I'm not sure about it, and I don't know that they should have fallen, but they did fall. It's only one spot to fourth weber state jumps up the third crazy game though uh by the way north dakota state is at youngstown state this week they are an 18 point favorite uh against uh, the uh, ohio-based youngstown youngstown state penguins james madison they won they're the number two team in the nation they beat Towson 27 to 10 I'll tell you what Talk about getting your numbers right. The uh, the spread was sixteen and a half points. They won by seventeen. They cover it up. They are eight and one on the season. They are seven one and one. Uh, against the spread they also have a bye week uh, this week uh, james madison does weber state they got a 36 20 win at uc davis this was a team that opened as an underdog at davis this game closed as a pick'em game uh, but uh, weber state winning this one convincingly 36 to 20 at number 22 uc davis they move up one spot in the polls to number three they are now a seven point f- underdog at number six, Sacramento State. Interesting that they're a touchdown dog on the road against the number six team in the nation, Sacramento State. South Dakota, as we mentioned, uh, that that uh, crazy game against NDSU. Uh, they got a get right game at Missouri State. They are a twenty-five point favorite uh, against uh, the bottom dwellers of the Missouri Valley Conference. Kennesaw State, they're the number five team in the nation. They beat North Alabama easily 41-17. However, they failed to cover, so it wasn't as easy as the bookies made it. Um, 28.5 point favorite for Kennesaw State. They win 41-17. Uh, they uh, moved to 7-1. and one. They are a 13-point favorite versus Monmouth uh, this week. Sacramento State, as we mentioned, uh, they got Weaver State this week. They're a seven-point home favorite. This is the game of the week in the FCS, not merely the game of the week in the Big Sky Conference, and absolutely monumental contest it's actually not as big as you think because it is uh you know both these teams are really good they're both going to remain ranked in the top 10 almost regardless of outcome but a fun one to see i, I can't wait for this matchup sacramento state uh, rolled over cal poly 38 14 they covered the 14 and a half point spread that they had uh as uh, favorites in that game against the mustangs last week they are now six and two on the season by the way sacramento state the only undefeated team against the number seven and oh 7-0 and this year for uh, the uh, Sacramento State Hornets. Illinois State, the number 17 the number 17 in the land. Not 17, 17. Uh, Seventh-ranked Illinois State. 24-7 win versus Indiana State. They covered the 14 points. Uh, they are 3-4-1 and one against the spread, but they are 6-2 overall. And they have Northern Iowa, another huge game. Northern Iowa, number 9 in the nation. We'll get to them in a moment. Illinois State, and actually an underdog, uh, versus UNI, although it's just again a one-point game right there. The Grizzlies a 34-17 win versus Eastern Washington. They covered the seven and a half points. The game went under the 76 in the blowing sideways wet and snow in Missoula on Saturday. Uh, the the uh, Montana Grizzlies are at Portland State this weekend, a team they lost to, actually started a uh, three-game slide last year and really knocked them out of uh, the playoffs last year. That, that game precipitated sort of what happened there thereafter so uh, Montana going on the road to Portland State they're an eight and a half point favorite against the Vikings this weekend Northern Iowa got a 29-6 win over Missouri State. Last week, they covered the 19.5 point spread, holding Missouri State to just uh, the six points, and again, they play at number seven, Illinois State. They are a one-point road favorite. How about that against the number seven team in the nation? And then finally, Central Arkansas breaking into the top ten for the first time. They had a 29-25 win over Sam Houston State. Sam Houston State, that vaunted defense, they still were able to score 29 points. They covered the one-and-a-half point underdog that they were by winning by four points and uh, they break into the top 10 for the first time this season they are on the road at lamar they're a seven point favorite against lamar in this one take a look quickly at some teams that dropped out of the top 10 villanova the uh, most notable one they were the number five team in the nation they were a six and a half point favorite versus stony brook and lost straight up. They were they lost to Stony Brook, Stony Brook by one, 36-35. Stony Brook was losing this game, losing this game by 15, with just over nine minutes remaining in the game. They scored a couple of touchdowns. They scored a touchdown with 126 remaining, Stony Brook did. They were down two. They went for two, didn't get it, yet got another stop, got the ball back, and... Got the uh, ball on their own 36 yard line with 21 seconds remaining. Hit a big pass for 19 and then for 40 yards and kicked a game winning field goal as time expired from 22 <laughs> yards out. So, uh, a, an incredible comeback from down 15 to up one for Stony Brook and three different scoring drives, two touchdowns, and the game winning field goal. So, a heartbreaker for Villanova. They dropped to number 11. Great win for Stony Brook. The other team that dropped out of the top 10, the Montana State Bobcats, they were number nine. They are now number 14. They were four and a half point favorites they lost by four to north dakota Uh, this was a very ugly game for montana state they were uh it was going back and forth they were down a touchdown on kind of a trick play a double pass by north dakota that they executed the only touchdown of the game by the way for the fighting hawks montana state came back scored the only offensive touchdown i should clarify for the fighting hawks montana state came back and scored troy anderson ripped off a 40 41 yard run down to about the one or two yard line then carried it in for the score they went for the worst two-point conversion play that I have seen yet this season the swinging gate nobody there to block they snapped the ball inexplicably and all of a sudden you end up with uh, the entire defensive line of North Dakota just simply tackling what was actually the third string quarterback in on the play they had some defensive linemen on the field as offensive linemen who were out by the sideline David this was absolutely bizarre there's no explanation for this thing
3: it reminded me of Chuck Pagano's Paul yes. Anderson play.
1: Yes, 100%. The only thing you think of is the Indianapolis Colts versus New England and snapping the ball when there's five defenders standing there and one center and nobody home.
3: It was bizarre. And then Jeff Choate's explanation was that the right play was to go for two to take it from a possible three-point lead to a
1: four-point lead. He, he chose simply not to answer the question. I mean, the question was not about whether you should go for two or not, although that is a very valid question. The question is, why did you try and execute a play that had a zero percent chance of working whatsoever?
3: And then he said they weren't very confident in any of their two point plays, yet they went for two anyways. Yeah,
1: bizarre it is bizarre. Anyway, that's not actually what did in the Montana State Bobcats. They were up two at that point, twelve ten and got pinned in their own end and after a big punt uh, by North Dakota, and then they got out of it a little bit, out to the, the 10-yard line or so, and then uh, I think took a sack and then a, a full start penalty, pinned them back on the one-yard line, and lo and behold... Here comes the Fighting Hawks blocking a pot in Montana State's own end zone, recovering it for what turned out to be the game-winning score with just about four minutes to go. So uh, uh, in any case, Montana State out of the top 10. They are down to 14, and uh, it's not going great in Bozeman here in the middle of conference play. So, Coulter, there you go. There's kind of the uh, – uh, the, uh, what do you call it? The whirlwind rundown of everything that happened in the top ten and then uh, the two teams that dropped out. Obviously, you, you and I were at the Montana game. We watched the Montana State game as well. So two teams sort of on divergent paths it feels like right at this very moment, although all that can change quickly, particularly in the last game of the season. By the way, it's also worth noting, Coulter, with the win – uh, over Montana State, North Dakota. Though they're not a Big Sky team, they are playing a Big Sky Conference schedule, and you and I both think, almost certainly, if they were to make the postseason, that would be at the expense of one Big Sky Conference team, uh, whoever that might be at the moment. But anyway, they move into the top 25 for the first time this season, number 24 team in the nation, North Dakota Fighting Hawks.
0: I voted them number 12 this week. I think they got, I voted them ahead of the Cats because they just beat the Cats. I, beat, I voted the Cats number 16. I think North Dakota has, right now, I think North Dakota has the the fourth best resume among Big Sky Conference teams, if you're counting them as a Big Sky Conference team, and maybe even third best, just because they've beaten three ranked teams, including UC Davis when they were number twelve and Montana State when they were number nine. Montana does not have a win over teams that have been ranked that high. They Montana's been good.
1: Well, they beat they beat UC
0: Davis when they were they, four. They beat, I stand corrected. They did. They beat UCF, but Davis just one. one they four, just but one they one. lost to Sacramento State. Sacramento State has the best resume in the country right now. Sacramento State, no but based on the Macy rankings and the Sigarian rankings, Sacramento State has the number one hardest strength of schedule in the com- in the country, and they are undefeated against FCS opponents.
1: Well, and it's sort of bizarre. It's not bizarre. I mean, I, I I actually agree with this. But they're the number six team in the nation this week. Weber State's the number three team in the nation. And they're a seven-point favorite in that game against Weber this weekend. Oh, yeah. uh, the game is in Sacramento.
0: I had I had Sac State number three and Weber State number
1: four mm-hmm. this week in my poll. Did you? So you dropped South Dakota State down to to five then? Just to five. I mean, listen, I I understand that they did lose the football game. I mean, that game is a coin toss. It's one play that goes the way of North Dakota State there in the yep. fourth quarter. Uh I don't know, man. First of all, I think they should have been number two anyways to begin with.
0: Sure, but Sac State again, Sac State and Weber State are both undefeated against FCS opponents. South Dakota State is not, and Sac State has played a harder schedule than South than South Dakota State. Yeah, okay. So I just have them ahead. I mean, That's fine. if you play the number one hardest schedule of the country and you're undefeated against it, you're you deserve to be in the top three, straight up, point blank, period. But I had North Dakota at number twelve because they, you know, they beat a, a ranked Sam Houston State team, which has looked good, and I think North Dakota's resume is. Slightly better than Montana's, significantly better than Montana State's, and probably on par with Weber. They have more ranked wins than Weber has. And so I mean, maybe they're even as high as second in the big sky in terms of what they've done. Five and three against their schedule. They haven't been great on the road. And um they're gonna have a, they have a couple losses that might linger, but I do think that North Dakota uh, if they continue yeah. to push, could could be a borderline playoff team or a, a for-sure playoff team, and they
1: might steal a spot. Yeah, their loss to Eastern Washington looked forgivable, and it is. I mean, look, you go on the road to the Inferno, and it's blowing snow and everything like that, but 35-20, I think the final of that football game, not great, particularly when we've seen kind of what Eastern Washington is, which is not great. Um but also, I think that North Dakota has sort of been hamstrung by being, you know, a a, a, a land with no nation, as it were. 100%. That I mean, not Craig, have a-
0: Craig Haley, who, who conducts the Stats FCS poll, he sets out, he sends out the top 25 scoreboard each week. And, it, it, you know, encourages everybody, hey, please give me your poll to me, please get your poll to me. He put a note in there. He said, I believe it's worth noting for everybody that votes in this poll that North Dakota has three wins over top 21 teams. Mm-hmm just to remind people because I think that because
1: you look do. at your conferences a lot right. of time this is a regional deal that people because people right. cover it basically by conference if not just by individual team at totally. the totally I,
0: I, I look at what happened the previous week what the result was who'd you play but then I also look at conference record and you know I mean, even if you're in a, a non power conference in the FCS, if you're undefeated in that conference, that holds a little bit more weight for me. And I, I tend to vote. And North Dakota doesn't have that column. Mm-hmm. And so I, I do. I think that they have been underrated. I think they should have been in the top 25 before this, and they haven't. And so, uh, you know, 24 to me is too low. Uh, I, I have them as one of the top 16 teams in the country. This week I voted them number 12.
1: Okay. Uh, the last team that I want to talk about, we're going to go through the Big Sky Conference, just the standing and stuff here in just a moment, but UC Davis is is still sort of an enigma to me because they lose to Weber State, and clearly UC Davis is not anything like the team that they were last year. So I'm not going to argue that, but also the losses they've had, okay, well, North Dakota's number 21 in the nation. They lose on the road in Grand Forks by two points. They got waxed by Montana in Missoula. They also lost to Sacramento State, which, by the way, so has everyone. No, they lost to North
0: Dakota State. Excuse me. Oh, so NDSU. They have not played Sacramento State. They play Sacramento okay. State in the end of their year. Okay.
1: Yeah, 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 right. The Last game of classic. the season consulate is kind classic. of a... Kind of a classic. It's the r- rivalry. It's like the game, 68th right. rendition. But point is, so you lose to NDSU. You lose to Montana. Very good Montana team. You lose on the road to what is proving to be a pretty good North Dakota team. Still obviously you're not a top 5, not a top 10 team at all for UC Davis. They're still pretty good though I think and And, and then a loss to Weber State who's t- number, what, 3 this week? Yes. So
0: I, I they, they lost to one, three,
1: eight, and 24 Right. And then Cal and, ca- <laughs> and Cal. And so I guess I, even though I am, you know, with everybody I'm, I'm kind of down on UC Davis Montana State at UC Davis I mean this is this is going to be such an interesting football game in a couple of weeks when that one pops up, and UC Davis still has time at the end of their season, particularly with Sacramento State at the end, to to make a point about you know what they still might be able to do and pull this thing out of the fire. So even though right now they are certainly on the outside looking in, and I think it's I, I think their their chances at the postseason right now are certainly less than more. I don't think it's over for UC Davis yet, and I still think they're a pretty good football team—not a—not a great football team, not an outstanding one, but a good one—and have an opportunity now on the back end of their schedule to string some wins together, and then with that Sacramento State date at the end of the year, maybe make a statement going into you know the voting and the at-large stuff. It'll be interesting to see how that goes.
0: There's only two seven and five. There's only two teams that could finish seven and five that I think could make it to, into the playoffs in the country. I think that's UC Davis and Northern Iowa because of the schedules they've played. Northern mm. Iowa right now is five and three. Their losses in overtime to Iowa State, triple overtime to Iowa State, to number five Weber State, and to number one North Dakota State, and they still have to play a top twenty team in Indiana State, and they still have to play number five South Dakota State, and they're playing number number seven Illinois State this week week too. No, Indiana State, you're right. David corrects me. Indiana State was ranked earlier this year. They've fallen out of the poll, Uh, but if Northern Iowa was to go two and two. Through their remaining schedule, considering the schedule they've played, 7-5, they'd be a bubble team. UC Davis, to get to 7-5, that means they're going to have to beat the Cats, and they're going to have to beat Sacramento State. If you do that, and then your five losses are to the teams we've already named, three in the top 10, four in the top 25, and an FBS, you could you could maybe sneak in if you're UC Davis. A 7-5 Montana State team? No. It's not getting yeah. in. Unless, uh, yeah, no, a 7-5 Montana State team's not getting in.
1: All right, with that, let's welcome in our producer and good buddy David Graff to go through how we did last week. Uh, It has to go up from two weeks ago where my god what were we one for a thousand last week, Coulter, uh, in this thing in our picks against the spread Uh, David, how did we do this past week uh, in in our games?
3: So, it's starting to trend toward fading Ryan and (laughs) following Coulter uh... (laughs)
0: What does that mean? Am I good or bad?
3: Uh, You're average. Mm. I'm bad. Ryan's historically bad. Mm.
0: Um, I'm never going to be elite at anything besides what I'm already elite at. What are you elite at? Mm. Quiche. Drinking. Cooking. Talking. That's all. Writing. I don't know about talking. Mm. You're an elite writer. Thanks. Elite writing.
3: I I, I expected that at number one.
0: Yeah, I should have said that one. Yeah, not talking. What did I say? More better yesterday? I needed to articulate this more
1: better. Exactly. You criticized somebody for the way they spoke and then said, let me articulate this more better.
3: Okay, I need to go eat my quiche, so let's go. All right, so we'll run down each game game by game. First, uh, Portland State, Northern Arizona. Northern Arizona was two-and-a-half point underdog at home. They actually won outright 31-29. Coulter was on Northern Arizona. Ryan was on the fighting Bruce Barnums.
1: Still on him, too. Love Bruce. Uh,
3: then on the uh, as far as the total goes,
1: Ryan was on the under. And can Coulter can we just pause other. right there, just quickly? Art, I mean, you're gonna say no because you did pick Northern Arizona, but I am surprised that Northern Arizona. I mean, you're never gonna be surprised Northern Arizona wins at home in the weird walk of Skydome and all that kind of stuff. Portland State's good, man, and Northern Arizona yeah. has one good player, and I am surprised that Northern Arizona won that game over Portland State. I think Portland State is a good football team, and and it was a close game. Okay, that's fine, but I, I, I really liked Portland State in that spot, and they did not get it done last week.
0: Northern Arizona has way more than one good player. Joe Logan's I mean, a really good running back. Yeah. I mean, Case Cookus is an elite player, but I mean Brandon Porter and uh, Hendricks Johnston and – Chuck Weezy or whatever his name is, the the other fast receiver that they got. I mean, they got three guys that got over six hundred and fifty yards right. receiving. They got they got playmakers. I just they, I just
1: I just disappointed, man. I thought the I thought the Vikings were going to get it done up there at altitude.
3: All right, next game, you guys were all over Idaho
1: State. Ouch! Slam a damn a ding dong.
3: At least you guys did. You both were on the over, which Southern Utah almost handled themselves, scoring 59.
1: Idaho State gave up the same number of points to the Thunderbirds that they gave up to the Grizzlies. Five straight Idaho State games have included 45
0: points scored. Idaho State has only been the ones to score 45 or more twice. I I don't know what happened, dude. I do. I do do know know what happened. Idaho State turned the ball over three times in the first quarter and gave uh, Southern Utah... Half the field or less. I'm not even I mean, talking they, they they about this Six
1: on the first play of the game. He's talking in general. Like Idaho State looked like a pretty decent team, and it has gone to hell in Pocatello. I mean, I think that their defense just is suffering the same thing that they have suffered for a long time. They just aren't very good. Well, and pick six is galore out of Max Struck. I mean, you never. I mean, what do you want to do? And they don't have a backup quarterback anymore because Gunnar
0: has left the team. Bad news. All right, next we got Sac State
3: at Cal Poly. Cal Poly was a 14 and a half point home underdog. You guys were both on Sac State. Sac State handled them 38 14. Ryan was on the over. Coulter was on the under. And it went? I thought you were good at math now.
1: No. I didn't even hear what the number was this time around. What did you say it was? It, it was 63, and
3: the 38 plus 14. 52. Way over. Okay, go ahead. Way under, yeah. Good call. Um, I like how you're trying to manifest winners after they've already been through. right,
1: because I don't believe in time. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so next. (laughs) I can retroactively make things different than they are. Not everybody can do that, but I can do that. Were
3: you in the movie Aladdin?
1: No, I chose not to be. I'm (laughs) going down the part.
3: You let Will Smith have that one? Yeah. You're like, I play the real life.
0: I just don't like, like doing the
1: stuff in in paint. I don't like being painted.
0: Do you think this podcast is a direct reflection with how, of how good we both are with money?
1: No, I'm great with money. I just don't have any. <laughs> I'm great at making it, not great at saving it. Really good at spending it. Well, it's because you do $25 a good food store on 11 knickknack. And items I'm going to eat day. my third meal off that today. Lies. Weber State
3: at UC Davis. Weber State closed at a pick Ryan took uh, Weaver State plus two and a half. Coulter laid the two and a half on UC Davis. Weber State ended up winning 36-20. The outcome was never really in doubt. Um, and then you guys were both on the over, which it eclipsed 54 and a half points.
1: I don't know why you're fading me. I'm 2-0 and in that contest. All right, next.
3: One contest doesn't make a whole weekend. does
1: if that's the one you bet on.
3: Mm. That's fair. That's fair, but you picked all these games, so...
1: Yeah, I did, because that's my job.
3: <laughs> Alright, um... Then the next game was Montana State at North Dakota. That was... When you guys had it, a pick em, it ended up... Montana State was a four-and-a-half-point favorite, and they lost by four. Yeah. So, North Dakota, just blocking punts. Um and who, who Jeff Choate
1: did we both pick Montana State in that yeah, game
3: Jeff Choate's decision to go for 2 didn't wouldn't have even covered the spread for you that was the most disappointing part then you, you know, guys were both on the over which
1: yeah that was never close that was a bad one that was that a bad was game a miserable bad pick. game all right
3: miserable game to watch at home finally Montana won 34-17 over Eastern Washington, covered as a seven and a half point favorite. Uh Ryan Ryan took the points. Coulter laid him. Damn. And then you guys were both on the over in the podcast. Granted, when you were doing the pregame show, you flipped your pick to the under, and Ryan did place a real live wager on the under.
1: Yes, I did. So the one bet I made I actually hit on this week.
3: That game was phenomenal because there's no reason that it should have been 76 points. Like, if this were a real FBS game, the total would have dropped to, like,
1: 50. Precipitously. Yeah,
3: Like, just absolutely. So me and my buddy in California, we just hammered the under <laughs> and he's like can you watch this game i was like no but i'm gonna listen to it on the radio And he's like holy crap i actually get this game on dish satellite tv what a Not deal to plug them but like he he found it and was like holy cow you weren't lying these weather conditions are
1: crazy crazy yeah can't make a big difference on the over under you know it's all about trying to find that niche all right so uh The other three FCS games.
3: All right, so then in the other games, you guys were both on Sam Houston State as one-and-a-half-point favorites at Central Arkansas. Sam Houston State lost 29-25. They did have a chance to win this game in the fourth quarter with less than about three minutes to go. They were down inside the red zone, and they threw an interception. So that was disappointing if you were on Sam Houston State. Then... There was James Madison hosting Towson as 16.5-point favorites. So this game's wild. There there were 34 points in the first half, and James Madison was up 24-10. to And then James Madison kicked a field goal on their opening drive of the second half, and there were no other points scored. Towson had a a 7.5-minute drive in the fourth quarter for nothing.
1: Resulted in zero.
3: Literally nothing. And then James Madison ran out the rest of the clock, which was like seven minutes left. Unbelievable. Unbelievable if you're on Towson. Just a shame. (laughs) So then the next game, next game we had was NDSU versus South Dakota State. NDSU was a a four-and-a-half point favorite, and NDSU had a 71-yard touchdown run on fourth down and one late in the game yep. to win the game and cover the spread to review Ryan and Coulter were on Sam one and a half point favorites loser Ryan was on Towson 16 and a half point underdog loser Coulter covers by half a point and then in this final or in the second to last game Coulter took North Dakota State to cover which they did with that touchdown run Ryan his record falls to a lowly zero and three. Mm. Then in the in the prime, so where am I at now overall this week? In the primetime matchup. Hold on,
1: we got to get to Slippery Rock.
3: In the primetime matchup, Slippery Rock took Clarion to the woodshed, forty-one six.
1: Yes. Who now? Where did you hear that from? This guy right here. Ryan was
3: all it. over Slippery Rock because he had heard of Standing
1: Rock. Correct. That was his analysis and and accurate.
3: Um it proved fruitful. Uh so and Coulter was on it as well. So in those games Coulter went 3 and 1, Ryan went 1 and 3. Then in the FBS games, we got Notre Dame at
1: Michigan, didn't get this one.
3: Harbaugh finally won a game on when on he was an 10.
1: underdog. Finally won a game as an underdog that Harbaugh. Tr- and too. they beat the Just snot out of the Notre Dame Golden Dumbers.
3: They didn't play games. Uh, Then LSU, Ryan was on LSU, minus ten and a half. LSU looked miserable. Auburn made me want to cry, yet Auburn still covered the spread.
1: LSU won the football game.
3: Yeah, 23 to 20. You shouldn't win. You shouldn't be allowed to win games like that if you play that bad. Then finally, Ryan went with his heart and took 14 and a half points that Wisconsin was given against Ohio State. Wow. Exactly. Justin Fields, he tore it up. Coulter was on Ohio State because his roommate
1: lives was, in an Ohio State blanket.
3: Yeah. His his roommate apparently <laughs> wants to be on the team or something. He wants to be <laughs> the Rudy.
1: The Rudy. Hey, he's gonna have to improve his diet. <laughs>
3: He's got a chance, though. I I really feel in my heart of hearts. I All don't right. Know this guy, but
1: thank you, David. Uh, there you go. Last week, uh, that's why you listen. Uh, because we uh, knock it out of the park each and every each and every so week what's for What's my you? final record?
3: So, uh, in the it's gonna take him some time. In the big sky, you
0: went three and three. I so went three and one against the FCS, so That's six and four. How I do
1: against the F B S?
3: And then you were two and one at F B S. So you had a winning Eight week five. For
1: That's good. Eight and five is really good. That's really good. Eight and five is exceedingly <clears throat> good. Um, That's a uh, sharp level. Excellent. Let's get into this week against better the spread. My
0: Skyline Sports guy, he went zero and six last week and almost quit.
1: All odds courtesy <laughs> of Five Dimes. Uh, here we go. This week's matchups in the Big Sky Conference against the spread. The miserable Northern Colorado State Bears are at the miserable Idaho State.
3: Northern Colorado. What did I say? You said Northern
1: Colorado State. Oh, jeez. You know, how am I going to get a pick right if I can't get the damn team right? <laughs> the miserable State, Northern Colorado State Bears. of Northern Colorado right now. Against the miserable Idaho State Bengals. They cannot wait. The Bengals are shockingly a 16-point favorite in this football game. Is that really shocking? I mean, no, it's not shocking at all. Actually, Northern Colorado's awful. I got Northern Colorado covering the 16 points. I got another 11 interceptions being thrown. This game is going to go way over the 60, and uh, and that's all I know. I actually have no feeling whatsoever about the uh, about the the over under the 16 points is no man's land for me. I got no idea. The spread. This is, what did I say?
3: You said the, the over under.
1: I feel great about the over under. Give me the over. Um, I will take I'll take Idaho State at home For what 16 worth, points.
3: Idaho State 6-1 and one to the over Northern Colorado 5-2 and two to the over. So 60 points might be a little low.
0: Northern Colorado is giving up 43 points per game against Big Sky Conference opponents. <laughs> Idaho State has scored more than 50 twice in Big Sky Conference play. I think the over is my lock of the week and I also am going to take Idaho State to cover that uh, Northern Colorado found some life somehow some way against Portland State two weeks ago scored 30 points but still lost 38 to 30 the defense has just been not not any sort of good they're giving it up in every which way they're dead last in the country in passing defense and they're also giving up 205 rushing yards per game it hasn't been good anyway you splice it with northern Colorado uh, this year and Idaho State has been the Idaho teams have been so odd because they've been really good at home and they've been really bad on the road. I mean, Idaho State scores 51 against Portland State in a win in Pocatello. They score 55 against North Dakota in a win in Pocatello, but they also lose at Montana, giving up 59, at Idaho, giving up 45, at Southern Utah, giving up 59. But I trust the Bengals at home.
1: We got the Bengals minus 16 and. Over. Lock of the week. So you and I agree on that. Cal Poly is at Idaho, the other Idaho team, playing also at home, where they have once again been quite good throughout this season. The Vandals a nine-point favorite over the Cal Poly Mustangs. Um, This is where it shifts. Cal Poly covering the nine-point spread over the Idaho Vandals. Not winning, just covering. I'm not doing it. I'm not picking
0: against Idaho again. Idaho has been the team that I've picked against uh, almost relentlessly this season, and they have burned me at home every time. They burned me too. They covered it back. They backdoor covered against Weber in their only home loss this year. They straight up beat Eastern. They straight up beat Idaho State. Idaho, when you watch them, their offense leaves something to be desired sometimes. Sometimes it's better than you think it's going to be. Not sure the status of Colton Richardson. Not sure if Mason Petrino's back. Not sure where they're at with quarterback. I don't think it matters. Idaho's defense at home is one of the best defenses in the league. For whatever reason, when they leave the Kippy Dome, they're not. Yeah. But they're great at home. They flew around. I was so impressed with them during the Idaho State game. Yep. They looked great in the Idaho State game. They scored three defensive touchdowns. So uh, I, I'm not going to pick against the Vandals again. I got the Vandals to cover at home. I'm going to take the under in this one.
1: I agree with everything that you said. I just think that, they're, that the, the the time is coming, and they got some really good individual players. they got some great talent at Idaho. Um, I think they're going to struggle against the triple option, and I think Cal Poly is going to cover this thing. Okay? You're going under at the 58 points. I'm going over. Be a contrarian. Split it up on this one. Okay? Over under 58. Uh, that game available on Pluto Television Channel Five Forty Two. Uh, the Northern Colorado Idaho State game, Pluto Television Channel Five Forty Three. Fifty eight is not a big number in a dome between two teams that are in the Big Sky Conference. Just isn't.
0: For people's reference, in Big Sky Conference games, Cal Poly's uh, over unders have not surpassed that fifty eight. They've not they've not got over fifty five, except for one time against Montana State, thirty eight, or excuse me, thirty four twenty eight. 62 points total in that game. They've been below sixty in combined totals across the board. So Cal Poly struggling to score, but also giving up in the thirties most of the time, not the forties, in this as they are one and four in league play. I just I don't know, man, as the season wears on, the triple option hardly ever gets better. It usually gets worse because you bang yourself up. And Cal Poly's just they've they've just been struggling to find a way. Losing close, losing big. I just, I don't think that, I think that he'll be able to hold up. I, I got the Vandals at home.
1: Here is a number for you. Northern Arizona at Eastern Washington. Eastern Washington, a 13-point home favorite. We'll talk about that in a moment. But the total, 82 points in this one. 41-41 doesn't even get you there. It's amazing. Uh, Northern Arizona, obviously Case Cookus. They are an underdog to Eastern Washington, who, Coulter you and I watched in person. And we agreed on a lot of things, which was Eric Berrier is as good as it gets. And no one else really seems to be like yeah. they're there. They're, it's it's disappointing when you end up throwing for 55 percent and 260 yards. And that's because you had, oh, I don't know, five drops worth 80 yards and four first downs from wide receivers where the ball is just in the bread basket delivered on point. So uh, this is, uh, you know, in Cheney, we'll see what the weather turns out to be. I am a little surprised at that this is that this is 13 point favorite for Eastern Washington. I think Eastern Washington should be favored in this game, but uh, by almost two touchdowns. That's a pretty big spread to me.
0: Ironic because these two teams have played in the first conference game of the year the last couple years, mm-hmm. and it it has been expected to be a shootout. Case Cooks got hurt at least once, maybe twice against Northern Arizona during his, or excuse me, against Eastern Washington during his career. Uh, but they've been games that have been in the 20s and 30s. You expect Gage Gubrud and, and Case Cookus to be this sort of over-under. Northern Arizona's defense has been terrible in, se- in the second half. They've just rolled over and quit. Yep. But to me, after listening to Aaron Best, Eastern Washington head coach, after the Montana game, he said, we don't talk about wins and losses. We don't talk about the P word, which is playoffs. He deflected everything in terms of success. That's a far cry from what Eastern Washington has been and should be. Everybody has their hashtag slogans now, but theirs has been rise the standard. And if you're trying to raise the standard at Eastern Washington, I mean, the standard is Final Four in the playoffs. So to raise the standard means perennial national champion. Yeah, They're not raising the standard at Eastern Washington right now. I think Eastern Washington has a chance to absolutely fade from the pack. Watching them on the sidelines after the drop passes, Eric Berrier doesn't even seem mad. He seems... Not indifferent. Even, not even indifferent it yeah. seems indifferent yeah and I, I I, think that at this point of the year this is the time of year where you either gotta click it in and get better even if you've been a struggling team or if you're a team that wants to surge in the playoffs and if you don't you're gonna go on the other side mm-hmm. and I think that's where Eastern Washington is gonna be at I got NAU to cover I got NAU to win
1: and I'm Whoa. taking the over oh the over uh, I got naU to cover I don't have them winning this game necessarily but it doesn't matter I do have them plus 13. I am taking the under on this like a, you know if it, if it if if I lose on an over uh when it's 82 points then so be it but I'm I'm I can't get to that uh I mean if it's 50 to 30 it's an under. It's unbelievable. Now, I understand it could be 55 52. We've seen it. It could go 100 points. I'm taking the under on this. Thing.
0: This over, I think, comes from the fact that this is an amazing statistic. Northern Arizona is averaging 36.8 points per game and giving up 37.2. So, 37 37 is the average score of a Northern Arizona game. They're within half a point of 37 points on both sides. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. But also, Eastern Washington scoring 35. Eastern Washington averaging 34.8 points per game and giving up 35.6. So they're within a point of 35 35. So you got two teams, 35 37. That still doesn't get you to the over, but I think you're going to see a big sky shootout. Again, though, like David said, if this was an FBS game and the weather, the the line would change. I don't think there's going to be enough action for the line to change. But the over could be an incredibly foolish bet on my part if Saturday morning all of a sudden it's <laughs> blowing icicles sideways. Yeah, in Cheney, well,
1: I'm looking at the 10 day right now for Cheney, and Saturday is supposed to be high 47, low 28, no precipitation in the forecast, partly how about, sunny. How about wind? Low wind. Five, so, so five I, miles
3: that,
0: an hour That caters to me to the over for sure. You know, I think these the, two teams also
3: operate at a Breakneck speed.
0: Yes, definitely. We're eight games into this year, and Northern Arizona is still perplexing. Yes. Because they're 4-4. Four and four. Three of their losses are to top 10 FCS teams. Montana State's not in the top 10 anymore, but it was in Bozeman on a poor weather day. They also lost to Illinois State. They also lost to Weaver State. Yeah. By... Almost the exact same margin of those games. Lost to 13 by Illinois State, to 16 by Montana State, to 13 by Weber State. So they're, it's almost the same, those losses, and then their fourth loss is to Arizona. Well, their wins against a bad Missouri State team, against a D2 Western New Mexico team, against a terrible Northern Colorado team, their first real game was last, not real game, but their first sort of like opponent was against Portland State last mm-hmm. week. I, I just think that Right now, to me, there's three teams that are sort of hovering around who's that middle team, who's that team that's going to be sixth, not in the playoff race, but is going to disrupt things down the stretch. And those teams are Northern Arizona, Portland State, and Eastern Washington. And so I just think that Case Cookus is going to try to finish his career with a flourish. Given the schedule they have remaining, we've talked about all these teams that still have playoff potential. If NAU went out and got to 8-4, and Who knows? Because they do have three losses against top 10 teams and an FBS. So we'll see. I don't think that they're there. Their defense, I think the reason that we have a skewed perception of them is because of how much their defense quit against Montana State in the run game in Bozeman and against Weber State when Josh Davis just went nuts in the second half and rushed for over 300 yards. All that said, I'm taking Case Cookus under a new coaching staff with sort of remaining optimism way more than the team that played for the national championship game last year that's already out of the picture I think Eastern's gonna crumble and fall apart so I got any of you to, to
1: cover to win and I got the over uh television pluto tv channel 534 and swx washington tv uh for that nau eastern game the matchup of the weekend not just in the big sky conference but in the country number three weber state on the road at number six Sac state this one is such an interesting football game oh man Weber state a seven point underdog as the number three team in the nation at sacramento state and i actually think that number's pretty good. Uh, seven points uh, in favor of the home team, Sacramento State. The over-under here, 52. Um, I'll start with what I think is the easy way to go. Weber State has scored a lot more than people have uh, expected them to. Their running game's been really good. Sacramento State has a phenomenal defense. I think they're still the number one scoring defense in the Big Sky Conference. So I do think that mutes uh, the Weber State offense, You know, uh, obviously, a little bit. But also, Sacramento State... Has a great offense. This is, this is good on good, on good, on good. I mean, the, the, the sack offense versus the Weber defense, which is great, and vice versa. Both of this is great. But 52 is a relatively low number. I mean, 52 is not a lot. Playing out there probably in the sunshine, probably a nice day in Sacramento. I think this game clears the total, so I'm going to take the over on this. Uh, I'm going to reserve until I hear your conversation on, on what to do with the seven-point favorite for the Hornets, because I, I find that to be intriguing.
0: Weber State's averaging 39.6 points per game against Big Sky opponents. Think about that.
1: Yeah. In four remarkable. Big
0: Sky games, and then they also played Cal Poly. In a but
1: they're, they're not going to score 39 points against Sacramento State.
0: I agree, and that's where this breakdown comes in because to me this is so much about matchups. Weber is averaging those 30 points per game overall and 39.5 points per game despite last in the conference in total offense, 350 yards per game. They do it so much with the run game. And what do we know about Sac State? Sac State's defense is such a symbiotic relationship. They stop the run so well on early downs. They give themselves advantageous late down situations on third and longs. Then, I mean, George Obina is second in the conference in sacks right now. He actually doesn't even start at Sac State, but it's not as if he's not a starter. You know what I mean? Like right. They put him in on third downs to wreak havoc. That's what his role is. They have a D-line that they play to stop the run, and they got a D-line that they played to, to rush the passer. They moved Darian Choates around,
1: up and down. But and does that mitigate George Obina a little bit in this game? Because Weaver State really doesn't throw the football all that much or all that well.
0: And that's going to be the key to me, though, is how much does Sac State stuff the run? Because if they can stuff the run, then George Obina can wreak havoc because Weaver's quarterback play has been average at best so far this year
3: for what it's worth that 39 points is a little skewed considering that Weber state hasn't really played a murderer's row so to speak of defenses right they played idaho southern utah northern arizona and uc davis okay, and they played
0: cal poly in the non-conference as well where that stat comes from Do
3: yeah so arguably some of the worst defenses in the conference
1: in fact the worst other defenses. than northern colorado right
3: and the forecast the forecast on Saturday in Sacramento calls for a high of 75 and sunny. Shocking.
0: This is judgment day for Sac State because Sac State has pulled all the headlines by going on the epic run of beating Eastern Washington, Montana State, and Montana three weeks in a row. Now that we have a little bit more under our belts in terms of the schedule... Eastern was and is overrated. Now they're no longer rated, and I think that that's just when you look back on it, I think that teams like Sac State and Montana that handled Eastern pretty easily when the season's all said and done, you'll say, well, it's good to beat Eastern, but you got to beat Eastern when they're down. I think you'll look at this retrospectively and think maybe Eastern wasn't necessarily one of our best wins, even though it's always good to beat a team that has that sort of prestige and has that, had that sort of success. But But just man for man, on paper. The, you know, everything that's going on exteriorly I just think that Sac State absolutely should have won that game by three touchdowns they're that much better than Eastern Washington Montana State we'll see where they're at but they're in a state of disarray that Sac State was the one that pulled the trigger on and they exploited weaknesses that people are now maximizing Do the Cats fade down the stretch? I'm not sure uh, the Montana win for Sac State was a very good win because I do think the Grizzlies are good, could be great that was an impressive win but this is judgment day Because Jay Hill's the best coach in the Big Sky Conference. Jay Hill's going to have all sorts of crazy combo coverages, disguised coverages. He's going to make it hard on Kevin Thompson. Can Sacramento State use the revitalized run game they used a week ago? They averaged almost 7.5 yards per carry, rushed for more than 350 yards. Elijah Dotson was the Big Sky Conference Offensive Player of the Week. Basically, everybody's tried to smash Sacramento State's run game and let Kevin Thompson Role well, he's picked everybody apart. So then last week, Cal Poly did the opposite. We're going to not let Kevin Thompson kill us. Well, then Elijah Dotson kills him. So to me, this game comes down to who can run the ball better, straight up. If Weber State can run the ball, I think they can manufacture some points. If they can't, I'm taking Kevin Thompson in the Sac State offense over Jake Constantine in the Weber State offense all day. But on the other side, if depending on how Weber plays this, they going to take away Kevin Thompson. All right, now can Elijah Dotson run the ball? Weber State significantly better against the run than Cal Poly is. so who who can get the run game going first? Who can stop the run better? To me, that's what this is going to come down to. I, it, it's so funny because Sac State's the sixth team in the country. They are playing the number one schedule in the country, and they are undefeated against FBS opponent, FCS opponents. Excuse me. Yet I still
1: am like hesitant to pick them over Weaver State, and reasonably so because Weaver State is w- without question one of the best teams in the country. The here. It, Sacramento State's 7-0 and against the spread this season. They're the only team in the top 10 in the nation that is undefeated against the spread. They're the only team in the Big Sky Conference undefeated against the spread. That's what happens when you have a team that is thought to be sort of middle of the pack at best that turns out to be one of the best teams in the country, and that is what they are. And so they get underrated by everybody, including uh, uh, you know the number that gets placed on them uh, all season long. That isn't the case here. If you're a seven-point favorite over the number three team in the nation, nobody's underestimating Sacramento State, which makes this one such an interesting play. Here's what I'd say. If the over-under is 52 and the number is seven, then you probably think Weber State is the safer play because if it is that low scoring of a football game, seven points is actually a relatively you know, large number. <laughs> I think that because of the strength of quarterback and just because of the way it's rolling right now for Sacramento State I'm gonna take the Hornets to win this game and to cover that spread and I'll lay the seven points even though I love Weber State this is this is this is a very very hard game I will tell you right now I'm not going anywhere near this thing in terms of of, uh, you know actually putting action on it Um, but Again, I said last week they are until they aren't with Sacramento State. I'm going to do that again with them against the spread and just say, hey, how how good is this team really? I mean, if, if this team is actually one of the you know the the top three teams in the nation, they maybe get it done against Weber. And by the way, you talked about the the one really good win right that 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 we that Sac has right now is that Montana win. Uh, And I think the Montana State win is a good win, especially for how big it is. They're all good wins. You're 4-0 Big State Conference playoff, you're going 0-7 last year. They're all good wins if you're Sac State. I haven't seen what Weber has done to sit here and go, hey – Look at the great wins that they've got. You know they've got some good wins on the schedule, no doubt, and they are an excellent football team. But it's not like th- this is judgment day for both teams, not just for Sacramento State. So Weber State's been there before, that's why they feel better about this. But I think this is, I think this is good on good. I think this is I, these are the two best teams in the Big Sky Conference, and I I can't wait to see how this goes. But I'll take Sacramento State because I've just been so impressed with them this season.
0: Cal Poly has the, the I'm not going to say the worst, the least productive and least formidable defensive front in the league. So it didn't surprise me that they wanted to. uh, We interviewed Kevin Thompson earlier earlier this week talking about the game plan, and he said that Cal Poly went all in on taking away the pass, and so then uh, Sac State gashed Cal Poly with the run. That's not in Weber State's DNA. They're going to stop the run first and foremost. That's what they do. As Tim Walsh, Cal Poly head coach, said earlier this year, he said, when their D-line rolls out there, that's the best-looking D-line on the, in the Western United States, and they are. I mean, they are one of the best-looking defensive fronts in the country at the FCS level. And so I think that they'll be able to stop the run. And on the other side, Sac State has proven to be able to stop the run when healthy for the last couple of years. So this comes down to the quarterbacks, and I'm taking Kevin Thompson over Jake Constantine. Mm, I got Sac State interesting. as well. Uh, and I'm going to take the over, even though it's it's conspicuous to take the over when Weber State's playing. I'm taking the over. Well, we're,
1: we are together on both of those then. All right. Southern Utah, a 13 and a half point underdog on the road at Montana State, a game that is uh an absolutely got to have it game for Montana State. And up until last week, you would have said despite Montana State's loss to Sacramento State and then, you know, the bad loss and really not looking good at North Dakota, who cares cuz it's Southern Utah and then Southern Utah goes and hangs up 59 on the idaho state Bengals, and you go whoa did they figure something out now it's easy enough to say what happened in that game and the turnovers for idaho state and all that um no question montana state is a better team than southern utah and they absolutely better win this game against southern utah uh if this game if this was even you know seven days ago you would have sat here and said no brainer no brainer on the minus 13 for montana state now, maybe it is a little bit of a brainer. Where are you at?
0: To take a line from Bruce Barnum, Whoville is an incredibly tough place to play. <laughs> Cedar City is just, it's the most remote location in the Big Sky Conference. You got to drive through the middle of a canyon to get there. It's beautiful, but you can hardly even stay there. Most teams have to stay at whatever, I think it's called Brianhead. Head. It's a ski resort, like an hour, 45 minutes, hour away. You can't really even find amenities to stay there. It's so tough. You usually have to fly into Vegas and take a bus or fly. you got to fly somewhere other than Cedar City, take a bus through the canyon, stay somewhere else. That combined with the fact that Idaho State just can't get out of their own way sometimes, I think it makes – I mean, good for Damari Warren and Southern Utah for, for finally getting a good Big Sky Conference win. They only had one last year. <laughs> they only got one this year. But – Winning a game when you force that many turnovers and you get an out ahead twenty eight seven and then you know you get a pick six in the last minute and fourteen seconds, it pads the score and all that stuff. I am I, I, just not reading too much into yeah. Southern Utah going off. They went off last year beat Sac State that for their one and only win of the season. Are
1: you At reading the, anything into Montana State going zero and two in their last two, particularly against North Dakota?
0: Southern Utah has the worst rushing defense in the conference for the last 2 years straight they give up more they give up almost 6 yards per carry they give up more yards per contest and they've given up 25 plus rushing touchdowns so that's the perfect remedy i i just if you're going to just try to take away the pass which this is ironic right southern utah leads the conference in pass defense and ranks last in the league in rush defense is there a better formula for montana state than that probably not at home I
1: think the Bobcats are gonna roll. They have to roll. Yes, they, they do. They gotta get back on a roll. The the here's the here's my only hesitation on this, because I've been trying to play a little bit of devil's advocate. I'm taking Montana State to cover the thirteen points. Okay. The only caveat to this is when a team starts to question what it is and how good it actually is, you know, Montana State was feeling very good about themselves and they were up there in the top ten and 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 looked at I mean it wasn't it wasn't fool's goal. This is a team that has a lot of talent, both sides of the ball. But all of a sudden you lose the sack state. You go, okay, we got to go back to the drawing board. You have a bye week, and then you go out and lay an egg. And now all of a sudden, Montana State is looking around, especially on offense, going, What are we? Are we do we know what we're doing here? And I think that's not just players, I think it's coaches too. And that's is cause for concern. And so you get into a scenario where all of a sudden, if you start with Southern Utah, and we're five minutes to go in the first half, and maybe say Southern Utah's up by three or something like that, you go into halftime and you go, oh my goodness, Can, can Montana State figure this out and really actually rally? Now guess what? Montana State has done that already this year a couple of times. Northern Arizona, first game of the season. They're down 21. They come back, they... Pounded or in Arizona, so they certainly can do it. And by the way, I don't anticipate that to be the scenario I'm just saying if you already have cracks in your in your confidence in your psyche and then and then a team that you're supposed to just beat up on Somehow lingers initially and it's not really working you can either close ranks and just go to work and 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 figure it out or you can sort of Fall apart and play tight. They played so tight. they talked about playing not to lose and 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 all that in the in the post game. In a scenario like this, I can just see all of a sudden when a team that you're supposed to be just far better than sticks around, where it gets weird quickly. That said, I'm with you. This matchup favors Montana State so very much. I take Montana State minus thirteen.
0: I mean, Southern Utah just doesn't have enough good players, man. Like Southern Utah, and Northern Colorado are just outmanned every game they play. They don't have even even some of the. Even the Idaho and Idaho states of the world have a couple guys that are are really good talents. And Southern Utah just doesn't have that. I also think that Christian Helbig, the quarterback, he's a, a big, strong guy who's got a good arm. But I, I just think he, he's a statuesque quarterback that I think Montana State will be able to tee off on. The other told stories, the Cats' defense played well against North Dakota. And... That was just overwhelmed by how bad they played on offense. I'm not sure who's going to be available at running back. If they can get Logan Jones back, that would be huge. I think that the the uh, the illusion of trying to redshirt Demarius Hosey with the if Isaiah Fonse is not 100 percent and Troy Anderson's not hundred percent and Logan Jones can't go, you gotta roll to Marius Hosey. He's a true freshman, but he's shown great flashes of his potential. I think that he's gonna be a guy that uh maybe gets an elevated role in this game. Attitude reflects leadership. Team, teams reflect the personality of their coaches often. We know Jeff Choate's at his best when his back's against the wall. Montana State blew a golden opportunity to win at Weaver State last year. They schemed up and, and forced a couple turnovers and had a, a lead at Weaver State. And then uh, the Weaver State quarterback, Caden Jenks, gets his foot turned around backwards. Jake constantly comes in. Weaver State rallies. Montana State sent home crying. The following week, Montana State... With a, under a new offensive coordinator, looked way more fluid on offense at Idaho State, and they still lose 24-17. And a 17-point performance in a dome, it was very reminiscent of this 12-point performance they had last week against North Dakota. Just an anemic offense. Then the ne- that next week, they came out and played one of the worst rush defenses in the country in Cal Poly. They rushed for over 450 yards. Isaiah Infante had his greatest game as a Bobcat, rushed for 230-plus, three touchdowns, and that sparked the, the Cats to then surge down the stretch, win four in a row, and make their way to the second round of the playoffs. I expect an exact same scenario today. The Southern Utah, or not today, this weekend. Southern Utah will be the perfect medicine for the Cats. I think the Cats will run the ball early and often, no matter who's the one carrying the rock. I think their defense will play lights out. Uh, I I got Montana State to cover this thing going away, but I'm also going to take the under. Oh, dig now, it. I'm taking the under. Yeah, I'm going to take the under because I think that that's J- Jeff Choate's going to want this to be a, a, a 35 to 14 type of game. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a a 31 to seven type of game. Yeah. where we have four deliberate convincing touchdown drives and we do not allow hardly any points and that's the that the the Northern Colorado game the second to last week of the regular season last year where the Cats won 35-7 and they utterly dominated the action that's exactly the style of game I predicted Bozeman on Saturday
1: 35-14 would go way under by a half point the uh, over under again 59 and a half in this one and uh, I am also taking the under I think this this
3: 35-14 would go under by ten, and, 10 and, a and a half points. Mm. mm 3524 about that.
1: Okay, good. Thanks for checking my math.
3: 3524 then Southern Utah would cover.
1: That's right. So they would cover, right, yeah. but it still would go under. In any case, Coulter, you and I are both on the Cats and both on the under in this game. That game, by the way, is your Root Sports game of the week. Root Sports is going to be in Bozeman, Montana this Saturday for that football game. You can see it there. Finally, uh, the Montana Grizzlies, the number eight team in the nation on the road at Portland State. They are an eight-and-a-half-point favorite on the road, playing in the weird uh, high school stadium of Hillsboro, Oregon, uh, against Portland State, Bruce Barnum's team. Barney's team's been pretty good uh, this year, uh, notwithstanding their loss at Northern Arizona last week again not a horrible loss but uh, maybe a little disappointing given the thrust of their season one that they you know we thought that you know if you can win it if it's a winnable game for you you got to go get it if you want to be a contender and they didn't Um, but uh, at home still getting respect is only if I may say an eight and a half point underdog to Montana Uh, this one Coulter whether or not one of the main questions obviously that everybody's going to ask is is Dalton Snead going to play in this football game And if he does play, how good is he going to be? How much, how much, you know, what percent of, especially mobility, is he going to have with what, you know, a high ankle sprain or whatever? Um, To me, doesn't matter. This is a. This is a get back game. Portland State came to Montana and frankly embarrassed the Grizzlies, winning on a last second field goal last year, and it sent Montana into a tailspin, in which they lost their next, well, their next two games, three straight in total, and really it was that stretch that derailed a season that had started five and one. And even though uh, Bobby Howe and Bruce Barnum are friends and all of that, and you can't say that very often about Bobby Howe and other coaches in the league, you can say about a couple of guys they get along all right, but. Uh, they are friends. Montana, make no bones about it, is going to want to make a statement coming out of last year, and uh, and this to me is is grizzly uh, a grizzly win and a win that's going to cover the eight and a half points. Is twenty four
0: nothing Portland State win over Idaho a good win? It's okay because it's hands down Portland State's best win yeah this year it's okay. among their five wins. I mean mm-hmm. they have. A D2 win over Simon Fraser, who's the worst D2 school in the country. A Canadian team playing American Rules football. Yep. They have a win over NAIA Eastern Oregon. And then there are three Big Sky wins, Southern Utah, Idaho, Northern Colorado.
1: They also lost by seven at Arkansas.
0: They did, but they also lost by... Arkansas
1: is the worst team in the Power Five. Yeah, and they also lost by 27 to Idaho State. They are the worst team in the Power Five. It's still Portland State at Arkansas. I mean, that's all I'm saying.
0: Well, sure, but all I'm saying is that Portland State lost. They got whipped on the road at Idaho State, and they lost last week to Northern Arizona. I guess what I'm getting at is they have five wins against – they are the the opposite of Sac State. They've played the weakest schedule. But you can't say that because they've played Arkansas and Boise State. And – but, they, but even their two conference losses are to Northern Arizona, who's middle, and Idaho State, who's bottom third. Yeah, They haven't even played one of the top five teams yet, and they still have to, including starting this week. That said, Cam Humphrey against the flex defense, I'm not sure. If it's Cam Humphrey. If it's Cam Humphrey. But I also think that defense has a chance. The Cal Poly offense is so anomalous, and you never know how they're going to skew Point spreads and over/unders. It's the same thing with the flex defense because if a quarterback is just grotesquely confused, you just really never know how it's going to go. And Cam Humphrey could be in
1: his second career start, or he could not. They could ex- completely exploit it. I'm not really sure. You know, you know who got him last when the flex defense, which was was outstanding against Montana last year, and it absolutely confused Dalton Sneedy. He had one of his worst games, if not his worst game of the season against Portland. St- his greatest, yes, worst game of against Portland State. But you know who else hadn't seen it yet? Bobby the entire Howell, right. coaching staff. Totally. And now Bobby can Kent Bear, Barry Sachs, the whole, or excuse me, Ro, Ro, I went to the defense line, Rosenbaugh, uh and, and Brett Bees. Pease. They're going to be yeah. loaded up no for doubt. this no thing, doubt. and no I doubt. think and they're going to scheme it up.
0: It's a great point because last year there was they only had about four or five games. Total on film too, and I think the that right. Poland State saved a bunch of wrinkles specifically for Montana to get them to, to get, get their Super Bowl. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that whole we were saying in the press box: Did Montana not even prepare for this game? Because like during the first half, Bobby Houck was just standing with his hands in his pockets, like totally perplexed. And then they came out and schemed it up and actually took the lead in the fourth quarter. They just weren't able to to hang on, but it was pure and utter confusion across yeah. the board yeah. for Montana. You're right, though. Now there is. You know, call it 20 games of this defense on film with Portland State's personnel. I, I agree. I think Montana will have it schemed up, and I also think Montana's newfound run game. Yep. Helps. And the other thing is we talk about Sneed is one of the most athletic quarterbacks in the country, and he's a great runner. Cam Humphrey is a way better runner than people think. Cam Humphrey ran for three different first downs last week. If you need him to just run a little zone read, get it up in there, get and, four yards and or get whatever. four, yeah. six yards, you can do it, and mm-hmm. that's a, one of the ways to attack the flex as well. So I agree with you, and... Because of that, you talked me into it. I'm taking, ah. I'm taking Montana on the road at Hillsboro, and I'm all staking the over.
3: Portland State's best performance was at Arkansas, and for for reference, Sagarin ratings have Montana versus Arkansas as a pick 'em. <laughs>
1: Well, guess what? It was a seven-point game, which would allow Portland State to cover that number if they uh, played Montana to a seven-point game. But I do think I think it's far more important that the coaching staff is seeing the flex defense than that the quarterback has in this particular instance. I do think it would help Montana tremendously because of that flex defense if Dalton Snead was available because he, he was – you know used to it but the other thing is is you know if he was confused one time maybe he gets confused again i i I don't know but i think uh, montana is going to be much more prepared and again i think they're going to be psychologically engaged as you could possibly be i think sometimes it gets weird when you go to a high school stadium and it feels like you know what are we even doing here is this division one football for real you know here in you know a portland suburb uh you know on a rainy afternoon but i think montana is gonna you know Portland State will have Montana's attention and Bobby is going to uh for sure uh be dialed in for his team in terms of their loss and what that meant to their season last year uh you got the over on 60. I think it's a really good total um I'm I think I'm gonna just take the under on this thing for fun and just be a little contrarian I don't have a really good explanation for it I just think uh, you know I think Montana's defense is uh, solid and I, I think they're going to be able to hold Portland State at bay a little bit and I just think that this is maybe a little bit lo- slower paced football game uh, and I could be completely wrong on that I got no idea but but I'm going to take the under just so I can go opposite Coulter on this uh, this game Pluto television channel 532 available on SWX Montana television all right Uh, By the way, UC Davis, North Dakota, those are your buys this week uh, in the big sky and not in the big sky in the case of the Fighting Hawks, but uh, there you go. Some FCS games of the week. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do our four questions. we got three different guys land up. Jack Graham from the Daily Princetonian going to join us to talk about the Princeton-Cornell matchup and Ivy League uh, barn burner, Princeton-Cornell in a rivalry game. Sam Hurter going to join us once again to talk about the still number one and still undefeated North Dakota State Bison uh, on the road at Youngstown State. And then finally, Northern Iowa at Illinois State, Jim Nelson uh, covers UNI for the Waterloo Curve in a top 10 matchup the Northern Iowa Panthers at Illinois State a one-point underdogs the four questions by the way are as follows one what do we need to know about the program uh, that is being covered by each one of these guys Two, what do we what do the coaches of each of these programs like to do what style of football like do they like to play what do you think of the matchup is question number three specifically against the team that is uh, coming to town or that you're headed to play and the uh, fourth question What do we need to know about this particular matchup? Weather, injuries, suspensions, all the stuff that would involve uh, being interested in how this game might go against the spread. And of course, we'll ask for the, uh, the picks from each one of these guys as they cover their team. So here you go. Four questions. We start off now with a game in the Ivy League, Princeton versus Cornell. We go to the phones. We welcome in Jack Graham. He covers Princeton for the Daily Princetonian. Four questions with Jack Graham.
4: The first thing to know is that they've had a ton of success recently. They're currently 6-0 this year and are on a 16-game winning streak dating back uh, all the way to the last season. Um, this year's team hasn't been quite as dominant as uh, last year's team. They, After last year, they lost a couple of guys who are now um, on NFL rosters, but they're still playing quite well. Um, their quarterback, Kevin Davidson, is a senior but a first-year starter. Um, he's, he's playing extremely well. He's got a very strong arm and has... Um, not committed many turnovers. I believe he's only thrown like two interceptions this season. Um, as well as defensively, they've they've played Willy really, They've they've played quite well. Um, it's definitely a defense that relies a lot on speed and turning the ball over, but they've been able to do that pretty successfully this year. Um, so yeah, I, I would definitely expect um, Princeton to be heavy heavy favorites in this game. I believe in last year's matchup, Princeton won like. Sixty something nothing, maybe like sixty three to nothing. It was one of the biggest blowouts, like in Ivy League history, I think. Um, I I might expect the game to be a bit more competitive this year. Princeton hasn't really been um, blowing people out as much as, as they were last year, but um, Cornell is a team that's, that's definitely struggled a bit more um, this year. Even they uh, last week they lost to a Brown team, um, or they barely beat a Brown team that Princeton beat handily um, a few weeks before. Um, in terms of like the exact specifics of the matchup, I haven't followed Cornell um, too closely this year, um, but I, I would definitely expect Princeton to you know um, leverage that favorite status this week. Yeah, um, so it's definitely an offense that likes to sort of spread the field and, and play quickly, uh, almost like something you might see in the in the Big Twelve or a conference like that. Um, so they'll they'll run a lot of hurry up. They like to push the ball downfield um, to their receivers definitely like to spread things out and go quickly um and then on defense like i said it's a team that likes to you know play fast they like to sort of get a lot of um pressure on the passer and try to love to try to leverage that into forcing turnovers and now um, this this hasn't been the case as much this year but the the offense likes to rely on a lot of like two quarterback sets so i, I talked about davidson um he's having a great year but in short yardage situations we will bring in a more of a rushing-oriented quarterback um, to get those yards. It's, it's a Friday night matchup, which is pretty unusual for, for the Ivy League. Most well, In general, most games, of course, are played on Saturday. I think this one's on Friday for the ESPNU uh, televised matchup. So maybe t- the, the teams will definitely be on a, a bit of a short week, a little bit less time to prepare. But in terms of extraordinary uh, weather conditions or other conditions like that, I, I wouldn't expect anything too, too far to the norm. As far as I know, as well, neither team is really uh, battling injuries or anything like that either. I mean, I'm I'm not a sports betting expert. Um, I I, I, th- I would not be surprised at all if Princeton's able to win by um, more than 21 points, though. Um, in, in a lot of these matchups where they've been heavy favorites, they've tended to sort of pour on a lot of points in the first half and then sort of keep it relatively, you know, keep keep their off the board throughout the game. So I, I definitely would not be surprised to see, uh, more than a 21 point win. So you can check out our coverage of Princeton football and all their Princeton sports at um, dailyprincetonian.com. You can also follow us on Twitter um, at the Twitter handle, at PrinceSports.
1: Okay, thank you, Jack. We go now to Waterloo, Iowa, and we talk to Jim Nelson, who covers Northern Iowa for the Waterloo Courier. Again, Northern Iowa, a one-point favorite, a number 9 team in the nation at 7th-ranked Illinois State. Four questions with Jim Nelson.
5: The Panthers are I. Uh, Program, of, uh, you know, a lot of great players. They've been in the play. Uh, Farley has been in the playoffs. They've been in the playoffs twenty times. So you know, they're a playoff regular. Uh, they're known for being physical, playing tough, uh, and uh, that, that's the kind of team they got this year. Um, and uh, you know, uh, and they and they'll they'll challenge it. They'll take on anybody. They play. Uh, I think the number two ranked uh, strength of schedule in the nation. Uh, they've been at Weaver State. Uh, they. They've been to Iowa State. Uh, you know they've already played North Dakota State. So you know, uh, you know they they're, they're uh, excuse me, They're scheduled on conference schedule. They they don't really have a softie in there. So they they want to go out and schedule the best they can, and you know test themselves early, and then they, you know uh, get after it once the Missouri Valley Conference uh, uh, football conference season starts. And, and and that's no picnic either. So you know they they're, they're uh, that that's them in a the nutshell. A lot of the former pros: Kurt Warner, uh, David Johnson. Uh, you know. Uh, Two that come to to mind most. Uh, So, you know, a team that uh, has produced some really great players. Uh, Our program has produced some great players. And, you know, uh, they they, they got some really good players this year. This Panther team is no different than any previous one. Uh, They are very defensive oriented. They've got an explosive offense, a big play offense. But, you know, they they like to keep, uh, you know, they want to keep opponents below 20 points. And when they're below 20 points, the Panthers, are. if they hold a team below 20 points, they are really good. Uh, they don't lose very often when they hold a team below 20 points. Uh, they got a great defensive line. They're going to get after you, uh, led by Ellison Smith, who, who is a ranked in the top five, I think, in sacks per game in the FCS. Uh, you know, a very uh, talented defensive backfield. Um, uh, they've been really good against the rush this year, allowed just 16 yards uh, last week against Missouri State. And, uh, you know, a ranked one of the better rush defenses in the league. And the nation. uh, That's what they're going to do. And then on offense, you know, uh, Will McElvain and Isaiah Weston have been one of the top uh, uh, combinations in the nation this year. Weston's averaging uh, leads the nation, I think, in uh, yards per catch at 26.8. He's got 10 touchdown catches, a touchdown catch in the last seven games. Uh, which uh, goes back uh, to uh, you know last time that's done with uh, you and I, uh, Eddie Berlin, a former NFLer, uh, did it back in 2000. So it's been a long time since uh, somebody has done that. They've been a special thing. Uh, they've been hooking up uh, quite frequently. Uh, the run game has been hit, hit or miss. Uh, when it when it's hitting, uh, it, it's really effective and it, and it uh, leads to those big plays. With uh, Weston and McElvain going after it, um, so but defensively, they want to win playing defense, uh, and and that that's what they they, they do. They they'll play uh, they'll play a really stout defensive game. So this is gonna be a great matchup, uh, I, I believe. Uh, you know, two teams that uh, very similar. Uh, you know, uh, Illinois State, uh, great defense. Uh, another one, uh, their uh, defensive front that gets after it. They rank among the top. Uh, in the top 10 in several categories defensively or top 20 in several categories defensively. They're going to, they're going to be tough against the run. Uh, they, they only allow 16 points a game, uh, which is a top 10, uh, number, I believe. And you know, uh, that, that where they're going to be really, really similar. Great defensive backs, great defensive line. They're going to get after the quarterback. They, you know, they're going to sack the quarterback. And then offensive, this is where they differ a little bit. Illinois state is a really ground oriented team, uh, uh, you know, uh, James Robinson, I think ranks uh, number six in the nation. Uh, 115 yards a game rushing. They're gonna they're gonna go two to one. I think uh, I looked it up and they've ran 342 uh, rushes and they've uh, passed it like 166 times. So you know, it's two to one on the rush to the pass. The pass is complimentary. and uh, you know, and and they're gonna want to p- establish that power run game. They got a big front offensive line. Uh, you know, they're gonna bring a t- uh, tight end at you. And that's how they want to control the game. They want to control the tempo. And uh, uh, it, it's going to be a great defensive matchup, I think. And it's going to be a fun to watch. You know, both teams can uh, move the ball. I think if you look at Illinois State, one thing that's hampered them is uh, early in the year, week two or week three, they lost their top two wide receivers, I think, both to ACL entries. And, and they've had to adjust a little bit that. So that's taken a little bit of their pass game out of them uh, when they lost their top two receivers, including, I think, a preseason all-conference guy and Andrew Eger. It's been a weird weather year here in the, in the Midwest. And and suspect expected there's a chance of rain again. It would be like the third or fourth time you and I, you and I, plays in the dome, but this would be about the third time they played out in the rain. And there's a chance of rain. It's going to be cold. Uh, you know, so that's going to factor into it too. Uh, again, like I, I might have gotten into it, the, the two great defenses. Um, and uh, Illinois State's had you and I's number a little bit there. They've won four of the last five meetings. In the, and uh, normal, uh, so th- that section is homecoming. They're gonna have a little uh, extra juice, maybe there. And you uh, and I uh, finally picked up their first road game. You and I perfect at home, no at home, and they picked up their first win- road win last week at Missouri State. So uh, they- they've had their struggles uh, on the road. Uh, you know, they they didn't play very well in the first quarter at Weber State, um, and uh, that 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 cost them an- an a close loss there to the team that's ranked uh, number three, I believe, in the, in the FCS polls. Um, so that cost them there, uh, you know, and uh, they started slow at uh, North Dakota State. So uh, you know they need a fast one because Illinois State has started fast uh, here. They outscored their opponents I think fifty-five to thirty-three in the first quarter, and a hundred and a uh, hundred and something to uh, to uh, one hundred thirteen to fifty-seven in the first half. So you and I cannot afford to get behind because if they get behind in that first half early, the Redbirds are going to slow it down. They're going to grind that grind that game to a halt with their run game and and the, and their potent def- defense defense. You gotta take Illinois State in this one, uh, with the minor, with the plus one there, uh at home. You know, it's really a toss up game. You when you at one point the separates, so it's a toss up game. The thirty three, uh, you know, I, I was telling everybody I I would take the under. That's a real low number. Uh there was a couple of weeks ago I, I put out there uh, somebody asked me about the South Dakota game and the number was 42, and I go, I would take the over. i will take every, everything you got and put it on the over, and I was right on that one. They they went over in the first half. So, But this one, that under, that's a tough bet at 33. I, I think there might be like between 35 and 40 points. I think it's going to be more like a 2016 game. Uh, the last few have been that. So I, I would take Illinois State in the over. com. Uh, That's where all my and I stuff. And then my Twitter handle is at Nellie, N-E-L-L-E-Y, 13.
1: Excellent. Thank you, Jim. And finally, Sam Herter covers the FCS nationally for Hero Sports, but really keys into North Dakota State. Obviously, NDSU coming off that huge win over South Dakota State. They are now on the road at Youngstown State for questions with Sam Herter.
2: I think the one thing to know about the Bison is, I mean, most most fans probably know, but, but the Bison are rolling right now undefeated and now once they've gotten past number three South Dakota State a lot of people are looking at this this last four game stretch is probably the easiest stretch for the Bison to finish out the regular season 12-0 and of this of this four game stretch this game at Youngstown State is probably going to be the, the, the toughest of them. Coach Enz he he rolls the dice quite a bit more uh, than than the previous coaches you know it seems NSU has kind of played Played things safe and trusted its defense, trusted its offense to, to take care of business. But we saw last week against South Dakota State, there was some some trick plays. There was a an attempted halfback pass that resulted in an interception in a key moment. And then on a, on with the game tied, fourth and one on their own twenty nine yard line. You know he's he decides to go for it and instead of punching the ball and trusting his defense. And you not only do they get the yard, but they get seventy one seventy one yards, I believe, for the touchdown. So I think that's one thing. That's a little bit different about this coaching staff this year with the Bison is is you know they're they're not going to play it safe they're going to play to win they're going to take some take some shots they're going to do some trick plays and they're going to try to keep you off balance. It seems like that there are there are two teams that that always defend the Bison well and that's South Dakota State and that's Youngstown State and a lot of that has to do, uh, you know, with with the defensive line. I think with Youngstown State they have the athletes they have the dudes they have the the, the physicality to go toe to toe with NDSU and slow down that Russian attack and get after the quarterback. So I think that that's one thing with this matchup is you go back, you know, every year Youngstown State hasn't been able to put up a whole lot of points, but their defense has held NDSU in check. So I think that's one thing uh to keep in mind is we all know that NDSU likes to run the ball, but Youngstown State has one of the better defensive fronts. In in the in the FCS, in my opinion, so I think that that's a matchup that a lot of people should be paying attention to is that running game versus the defensive line. I'm not sure uh, about I- any notable injuries. I do know Youngstown State quarterback Nathan Mays. He's been he hasn't missed any action, but but he has had you know uh, I'm not sure it's some kind of leg, might be a hip or a knee, but he got rolled up on um, pretty good a few weeks ago. But he's been battling through that. He seems like he'll be a full go. The one thing that that is notable is. No matter how good or how bad Youngstown State has been, every time NDSU goes on the road to Youngstown State, it's always been a battle. You go back to 2017, I believe it was an overtime game where NDSU had to kick a game-winning field goal. A couple years before that, in 2015, the Bison were down 7 to 10 points and had to come back to get a win. So It's always been a battle at Youngstown State. And, you know, we'll see. I think NSU knows all about the, the hangover game and the trap game. I'm sure that's being said in the locker room. But, I mean, when you have such an emotional win against the number three ranked team in the country, and then you go on the road to Youngstown State, who's no longer in the top 25, you know, it, it can can the Bison create that, that same energy and not fall behind? Because in, in these past matchups, the Bison, ha- it seems like they always fall behind, by, you know, one or two scores at Youngstown State. I think it will be closer than 18 points. It, it just seems, you know, like, I, like I've i said, you know, this game this game is always close. I'm not sure if NDSU is going to be able to match that energy. energy. I think Youngstown State, after suffering a bad loss a couple of weeks ago to Southern Illinois, is that their playoff hopes are, are kind of teetering. So I think the Penguins are, are going to come out with a lot of energy. I do think NSU is going to win, but but I think it's going to be less than 18 points. Probably under, uh, you know, Youngstown State, I, I just don't see a whole lot of offensive firepower with the Penguins to be able to put up a lot of points on NDSU. And and the Penguins just, just always seem to be able to hold NDSU in check, you know, hold them under, under 24, 25 points. So I think it will be relatively low scoring.
1: All right, Coulter, there we go. Four questions. Let's start with uh, Princeton Cornell. I know you never – vote for any Ivy League teams because nope. they're not playing in the postseason so why are you going to do it but Princeton is the number 12 team in the nation they are a 21 point favorite over Cornell last year this Princeton dominating in a 66 nothing blowout of Cornell uh, Jack doesn't think it's going to be that big a spread but it wouldn't need to be that big a spread to still cover easily the 21 points Cornell uh, not very good Princeton number 12 team in the nation very good football team On the whole, I will take Princeton to cover the 21 points, and consequently I'm also going over the 49 points on the total on this one.
0: Same. Princeton and Dartmouth are the only two schools in the Ivy League that are worth their salt. Uh, I don't vote for them in the top 25 because they're not playoff eligible and they hardly play anybody. But they are pretty good FCS programs, and Cornell not. So I got Princeton to easily cover, and I got the over.
1: North Dakota State, number one team in the nation at Youngstown State, Uh, the Bison an 18 point favorite pretty big number bigger than you might think if you look at some of the history here the Bison have won 7 straight including last year's 17 to 7 victory in Fargo but they are 4 and 2 in Youngstown including a 27-24 overtime victory in 2017 Uh, so two close games a 10 point game and a 3 point overtime game against Youngstown uh, very recently 3 of NDSU's last 4 games in Youngstown have been decided by 5 points or less I don't think this is one of them I mean North Dakota State the only thing you could say to me is an NDSU you know after having a big emotional game which they don't have that many of frankly against South Dakota State and College Game Day and all that maybe has uh, you know takes a little while to get over that win and re-engage for Youngstown State but Youngstown State is not as good as they have been uh, in uh, in past years I got North Dakota State winning this game and covering the spread 18 points.
0: I agree. I agree with everything you said. I I, I think that if I was to pick a lock of the week for these out-of-the-big-sky games, I'd pick the under on this game. I am going
1: to take the under I think, as well. I
0: think these two teams are going to definitely engage in a slugfest. Youngstown State will sit on the clock at all
1: costs. And run the ball all the time. Game. This is going to be a, a run-heavy game in both directions.
0: This is 17-7 last year in Fargo in this game, and that's exactly what Youngstown State did. This has been a, a game that has traditionally been in the teens or the 20s. Uh, since Bo Pelini got to Youngstown State. Youngstown State's been in and out of the top 25, but now they're, they're just out of it. After I mean, they've played the toughest Missouri Valley schedule so far. Their one win is over a winless Western Illinois team, but they already lost to Northern Iowa, South Dakota State, and um, Southern Illinois, and I think that the losing ways continue for uh, YSU.
1: The only other top 10 matchup in the FCS outside of the Weber State Zach State game this weekend is this Northern Iowa Illinois State game. UNI minus one. They're the number nine team going to the number seven team, and they're giving up a point. A one point uh, favorite on the road against Illinois State. This is obviously a, a great matchup. By the way, the total on this thing thirty-three points. A very very low total uh, on this game. Uh, I love both these teams. Northern Iowa lost in triple overtime to Iowa State earlier this year. Very, very good football team. You said already, Coulter, that Northern Iowa is one of the only teams in the country of maybe two that could possibly lose five games and still go to the playoff. Um, And it's because they have just an absolute bear of a schedule, which includes Illinois State, who's also very good. Um I'm going to take Northern Iowa. I think that uh, Mark Farley and his pedigree as the head coach there is is uh, obviously outstanding. And Northern Iowa, they've been close but haven't quite made it on a couple of games. I think they do make it on this game and end up winning. It's on ESPN Plus if you're looking for it. I am going to take the over. It's going to be a low-scoring football game, but 33 points is extraordinarily low. So I'm still going to take the over uh, on the uh, on, on the total.
0: Kennesaw State and Illinois State are the two most overrated teams in the game. Woo! Look at you! Illinois State, Illinois State just doesn't have the wins to justify being ranked above Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa has played a significantly tougher schedule than Illinois State, and Illinois State has one less loss, but they still, I think, I think Northern Iowa is straight up better. I think Northern Iowa is the third best team in the Missouri Valley behind NDSU and South Dakota State. And I think Illinois State's good. They they control the clock. They control the ball. I mean, they're leading the country in sacks. They got 33 sacks, which is an amazing number. Uh, and they're also only giving up 16.8 points per game. James Robinson, one of the leading rushers in the country, he's got 924 yards rushing and 14 touchdowns. All that said, I just think Northern Iowa's better. And I think that's yeah. why they're one point better in the spread. I think this will be the win that kickstarts Northern Iowa into surging into the playoffs and then I think it'll put Illinois State's backs against the wall even though uh, they are sitting here in a pretty good spot. You know, number seven in the country, it's hard to say that you got backs against the wall at this point but I I just think that this could be a season-altering game for both these teams. A quality win for Northern Iowa and a loss that really rises a sense of urgency to be the second conference loss for Illinois State. I got Northern Iowa and I got the
1: over. Okay. So we agree across the board on those FCS games. Now we head to the epicenter of all college football, Hickory, North Carolina, as uh, we got a battle of undefeateds, Coulter. Wingate on the road at Lenore Rhine, or as I might say, Lenoir Rhine. A little French, clearly. L-E-N-O-I-R, Linois, like a Pinot Noir. Linois Ryan, uh, Linoa Ryan, obviously a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. Both these teams undefeated? Are you kidding me? you Are going to give them two scores? Give me Wingate to cover as a 13-and-a-half-point road dog. I don't know that their perfect season continues. Linois Ryan, an absolutely stalwart program in Hickory, North Carolina. But I do think there is a, a good chance for Wingate to go ahead and cover this up. They've been playing great football, clearly with a goose egg in the L column
0: shout out to Wingate a big sponsor of Tutel Nuanas. that's all I need to know <laughs> stay at the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula pick the Wingate whatever they are what's their mascot David? the pigeons? <laughs> I
1: think they're the Bulldogs The bu- hey did you know the Bulldog is the most common mascot in sports? I did know that and then I think Wildcat is like number two mm. um, okay let's go to the FBS David quickly Rapid fire, FBS against the spread this week.
3: Yeah, Wingate is the Bulldogs. And then for Northern Iowa, just so you know, Mark Farley is 3-6 and six at Illinois State. Mmm, interesting. So tread lightly, perhaps. 4-6 and six,
1: Sunday.
0: Yeah, I would say that the Northern Iowa-Illinois State is the anti-lock of the week. No doubt.
1: Any game that we just picked. Yep.
3: <laughs> all right, so because bowl games are all that really matters, um... Let's go to no the FBS. Matters. Every one of them. Every single one of them every is of the them. most important thing on my calendar every single
0: year. I just feel so sorry for you. You shouldn't. Learn how to make French press or grilled cheese or something. I, don't I, know. I know how to make a grilled cheese. I will <laughs> eat grilled Have cheese you been while to watching. His apartment? He I can know. do
1: all of it standing there watching the television making these wonderful gourmet quiches that you're so mm. big on.
3: Quiche. I'll make you a quiche. We'll watch Wyoming's bowl game. I will Editor.
0: watch Wyoming's bowl game. I'm into that. I'm into my mother goals.
1: made me. If I'm not there, a quiche there. for my 10th birthday. I threw it up. I was so disappointed. 10 year old quiche. I mean, what? I've never had a quiche. It's
0: just it's egg and sausage pie. Who doesn't want that? I,
1: I can't eat eggs. Was it? They, just, they mess with. David's got so many things that he's against. Anyways, all right. Let's
3: go to the games. <laughs> let's go to the games.
1: Can't go right. fast.
3: Side of ESPN College Game Day, number 15 SMU at number 24 at Memphis. Memphis is a five-and-a-half-point
1: favorite. ESPN College Game Day is at Memphis. This Correct. Season. Have Field you ever been Street. to Memphis? I have not. It was a
0: cool and frightening city. I've
1: been to. I've, I uh, grew up Nashville.
3: near Memphis. Going to Memphis all the time. It's scary, it's, right? It's not the best. You go
1: down the wrong street and you're like, man, I gotta start running. Uh, can I? Can we just clarify something? Is LSU Alabama not this week, but next week? It's next week. Okay. <laughs> uh, all I right. can't believe they're not going to the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, though. Yeah. Where is that? Game day at Georgia, Florida. Hmm. Well, they were already at Florida. They were already in Gainesville this year. Mm, right. That's why. That's right. But that um,
3: game's in Jacksonville. Yeah. Mm. All right. Florida, Georgia,
1: broadcast. The game, okay. So. Memphis SMU. Here we go. What do we got? Yeah. What do you got? What do you got? Did you already give them the numbers? Yeah. yeah it's five, and, said, five and a half point favorite. I mean, I know that. I see it, but I Memphis
3: wanted... is a five and a half point favorite.
1: Um, I got SMU. I think is good, uh, and M- Memphis at home, too much pressure with college game day being there. I hate their helmets. I'm taking SMU.
0: Memphis has done a pretty good job uh, lately in recruiting on both sides of the ball, particularly defensively. They have put some really good dudes in the NFL, and uh, they're rolling right now again. I mean, 7-1 and one, um, at home college game day. Unless SMU's cheating, I ain't picking them, Memphis. How do you know they're not? All right, we move on. I think on. that the one school that's probably not cheating is the school that got their football program eradicated by cheating. Or the one that is, still.
1: <laughs> well, all right. Need to cheat hide in better. plain
3: sight. Hide in plain sight. Hide in plain all right, sight. True. We move on to the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Number eight, Georgia, at number six, Florida. Florida is a six and a half point underdog. Wow. This game is in Jacksonville. As I St- said.
1: Status of Florida's quarterback. Oh, that there's their, their original starter. He's done for the year. He's done for the year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, clearly, like a, a top four team and probably a top three team in the nation. Part of that South Carolina loss. I think Florida's really good. I mean, Florida's only loss in the year, if I'm not mistaken, is two LSU in Death Valley. The fact that they're a six and a half point dog here. Give me Dan Mullen's team to cover this thing up. I think I think that loss to South Carolina really shook Georgia because they're out. They're out. And uh by the way, that's why the playoff is an absolute joke in the FBS. I mean, get it the hell out of here. <laughs> but uh I will take Florida to cover even though i do not not necessarily picking in to win. This 6.5 point is a, a big point spread, especially with a great defense. I got the Gators to uh, to hold fast on that 6.5 point number at the world's largest outdoor cocktail party.
0: I was impressed by Florida when I watched them against LSU, but they weren't good enough in that game. I still think Georgia has top-five talent. And I think Florida has top-10 talent, but I don't think they have top-five talent. I think that Georgia's lingering back in the rankings because of the, the loss later than... Florida, I got Georgia.
3: All right, last game number nine, Utah at Washington. Washington is a three and a half point home underdog. Oregon State was the last team to score a touchdown on Utah
1: on how, October twelfth. How ironic that it was the beefers that actually did it. Um, the uh, Washington losing to Oregon last week, I think they they they. You know, fired their gun. I thought that they were in a position to win that game. I thought they would win that game even as a that slight two underdog weeks two ago. weeks ago. Okay. I uh, thought they would win that game against Oregon. They did not. And now with uh, a couple losses on the season, I mean Washington is kind of in no man's land. And Utah's really good. And Utah uh, as a three and a half point favorite, I think they're going to go in and win this football game. I think they're going to cover the spread. I got the Utes and that great defense. And they're playing, they're still playing for Everything for the Utah Utes where Washington it's it's harder for a team to just come together and get ready to go uh when you know the, when when the losses have already dictated what you're not going to be, what you were expecting and hoping to be coming into this season. So I got Utah for no other reason than being more emotionally engaged into this football game.
0: Utah's defense is ferocious. I think Washington put a fork in them. I think they're done. I got
1: the Utes as well. Boys and girls, this has been FCS Speculators, a betting podcast. You can find it on all your favorite podcasting platforms. You can also find us on. Twitter at Gus Tutel, at Skyline Sports MT and from the show, the radio show on ESPN uh, in uh, Missoula and across SWX television in the state of Montana. Check out the Instagram and the Twitter at 1029 ESPN. The handle's there. God bless every one of you for listening and spending some more time with us. We'll be back with you next week. Enjoy the games this weekend.